This is Public Hearing, an Auburn City News podcast brought to you by the Auburn Plainsman. I'm Elizabeth Hurley, Community Editor for the Plainsman. And I'm Evan Mealens, Assistant Community Editor for the Plainsman. How are things going this week, Evan? You know, they're pretty good. I'm having a pretty good week. How about you? Good, good. I'm ready for Saturday, though, I have to say. That is going to be a really big game. You know, I hope we can come out of there with a win. I'm just here for Toomer's Corner. Yeah. I'm here for (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, we're in a two-week stretch now with no council meetings since October has five Tuesdays. That means this week and next we will have guests from the community. Yes. Now, this week we are a little less focused on Auburn specifically and more just on local local government in general. Our guest this week is an instructor of political science at Auburn University, Dr. Dwight Gully. And as a political science major, I've actually been in a couple of Dr. Gully's classes. Yeah, so Dr. Gully, he actually received his master's in political science and government from the University of Wyoming in 2005. He then went to South Carolina where he worked in the governor's office. He came to Auburn in 2008 to begin his work on his Ph.D., which he received in 2017. He then continued teaching political science classes at Auburn University and Columbus State University. We sat down with Dr. Gully to get a better understanding of local and state governments and the impact it has on everyday Americans. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Dr. Gully. Yep, glad to do it. And now I know you're actually a radio guy, so a little bit of a throwback here for you. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't remember the last time I was on a microphone. Um, <laughs> I, I try to use them in classrooms and then I'm too loud because everybody says I'm too loud talking anyway. But it's been a long time. Yeah, I was in radio for quite a bit of time. I did that. I did a little bit of television, just, uh, okay. television um, uh, newscast producing. I did some photog stuff, but I miss the radio thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that was kind of back at it now. Yeah, the, the, the only time I'm going to hit this is my legend. I always wanted to host an alternative country program at this <laughs> at this particular station, you know, just to freak people out and say, "Oh, what's Gully listening to now?" People think my musical tastes are just completely off. But yeah, I, I'm I'm glad to be in front of a microphone. I'll sit here and talk all day if you want. Well, this isn't alternative country, but uh, <laughs> kind of like I don't know. But this week we wanted to talk about local and state government and kind of how it affects just your everyday person. So could you kind of tell us what is local government? Um, it's it, Maybe it's easier to say what it isn't. Um, it's not state government. It's not the federal government. And I think operationally speaking, we look at it the same way as we do state and local government. You know, we assume that uh, local government is going to operate the same way, that there's a you know, a specific leadership structure in any given community and that there's a specific way you allocate funding or, you know, distribute resources in a way like a state government or federal government does. Well, there is no president of a city. There is no governor of a city. You have city councils and you have multiple individuals tasked with policy infrastructure. You know, if you go back to the Federalist Papers, the framers and founders, when they were talking about creating the executive branch, they said, you know, one of the possibilities was say, okay, well, if we don't want corruption and we don't want to have one person as president, maybe we have a triumvirate, you know, and some of those ideas to kind of avoid that level of corruption in city government, you know, kind of get extrapolated downwards. But because city government has so much more to do, and I guess that's the main difference in how I would describe it, it's got so much more to do. Look, um, the federal government does not care if the water is running in Auburn. Um, the state government probably doesn't care most of the time, <laughs> as long as it's not on campus. But, uh, you know, um, local people care about that. 
nobody at the state government cares about whether or not there's a pothole over at Magnolia. Um, and there is one, and I don't want to talk about it. It's right in front of my apartment complex. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's the main thing about local government is what is it? It's a conglomeration of a lot more administrative work. It's a lot busier. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's also a lot tougher to understand because people are looking and look at framing government in terms of the federal system, more specifically, but sometimes state government. Most people care about the federal system. Yeah. yeah. So now um, Auburn kind of has a, I guess you could call it a different setup than maybe something that people have seen other places or might even be used to. Auburn has a city manager. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of explain to us what, I guess, what that position is and how it how it interacts with the city council? Um, you know, and I'll go back to my state government analogy. You know, you have a governor that's the administrative head of, uh, you know, uh, a state. Well, a city manager um, is the chief cook and bottle washer, if you will, behind local government. You know, um, they're going to handle the day-to-day administrative duties of a city. You know, they're going to have, depending on, you know, and Auburn is an interesting case, and city managers are different everywhere depending on the population and demography. But they're going to have a lot more operational control of the day-to-day business of the city, you know, whereas a city council is going to deal with the policy implementation and infrastructural end of it and creating the accountability. But uh, city managers are essentially the, you know, where the administrative portion of local government kind of starts and ends because, you know, um, if you want to know where the bodies are buried, you don't go talk to the mayor, you go talk to the city manager because in a city like Auburn, you know, there's, there's, it's just efficient to do it in a, in, a, in a community of this population. You know, larger cities, yes, you'll have city managers and you'll have broader council mayoral systems. But, you know, um, they are charged with doing everything to making sure that the money is going to the right places to maybe dealing with the media on a regular basis because they are have their finger on the pulse of what's going on in the city at any given day, any given moment. Okay. So how does local government actually include the residents of the city? Um. Sometimes it's a matter of choice. Um, You know, when I teach public policy here on campus, um, we talk about, I spent an entire half semester talking about civic engagement at the local level. How do you learn how to do civic engagement? And part of the way city government interacts with the people is not only the functional things they do every day, whether it's talking to the policeman on the corner or trying to have them tackle you in their Segway or whatever, you know, or, you know, just simply watching the Beautification Commission, uh, whatever her name is. I keep forgetting her name. I've met her, the plant lady uh, downtown. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's an interaction. That's a public interaction because that's part of the Beautification Commission. But, uh, you know, us interacting every day with the city is using the infrastructure the city has provided us. Whether or not we are actually engaged in city government, whether it's even paying attention to what's going on, you know, what, what you all cover in the paper or uh, what's going on in the Auburn Opelika News or a city council meeting. I mean, they're not attended um, unless it's something extremely salient. People tend to not get involved in city government. You know, people don't engage that thing, but it's strange and it's disturbing in some ways because that's what directly affects us on a day-to-day basis. You know, um, I'm not worried about an executive order. I'm not worried about you know, the governor signing a bill, those have long-term policy implementation to do. City government is much more immediate. And for us to interface with city government means the daily things we do, obviously, from flushing the toilet to uh, going out and getting on the road and dealing with the traffic problems um, to uh, going to a physical city council meeting and, you know, understanding how the process works. And I think 
more than anything, we are ignorant of that process and to interact with government in a meaningful way. You know, I think we have to kind of be a little more cognizant of that kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So (laughs) it's like, do you think people could uh, improve their lives or have the opportunity to improve their lives if they understood how their local governments worked a little bit better? Yeah. And I, I think it's incumbent on any of us to know how government works mm-hmm. for crying out loud you know the level of ignorance that we allow ourselves to to have about what government actually does how it works you know i was i got called um i'm registered to vote in the state of virginia because i'm a, a resident there technically I, if you want to call a 700 mile drive to richmond a commute um I, I you know that's where i hang my hat when i'm not teaching but uh you know um the 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 fact of the matter is there um we have an ignorance of local government. And I, you know, I say that before, and I hate to repeat myself, but you know, um, the ability for us to kind of figure out where we fit in, where our puzzle piece is, has to do with this understanding that there is a difference between a city council hearing on a budget and the federal government talking about budget proposals and subcommittees and all that. There are no subcommittees. There are no, you know, there may be a special session. There may be a closed door meeting. There may be, you know, a larger public comment period. But we get that direct involvement. I mean, you're not going to get, you know, okay, representative democracy, you know what that is, but you're not going to get a public comment period on, mm-hmm. on a piece of state legislation, you know, where the public gets to directly go in, where, you know, the little old lady who's upset about her property taxes can go in and say, you know, look, you're doing this wrong. Um, you know, I don't know if that answers your question or not. I, th- I think it answers my question, yeah. Yeah. So uh, local governments make decisions every hour, every day, every week. How do you think those decisions impact residents just on like a surface level? You take city service for granted. You know, um, Imagine how the ways your life would be more complicated if um, the stoplight over there um, at Tumors was uh, not operating correctly in the evenings on the weekends when everybody's out and about, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, uh, you know, um, imagine the ways your life would be different if we didn't have, you know, uh, like the city was over working on uh, uh, Dean today over there at an intersection and they had, you know, they had pylons blocking off all that kind of thing you know, um, it directly affects us and it's an inconvenience at times, but a day to day, I mean, you know, you're flushing your toilet, you're, um, you know, going and paying your bills, you're interacting with police, you know, that's, this is all obvious and natural things to kind of think about. But I, I think what we don't do is we don't accept it and we take it for granted and we just say it's there. You know, it's like the, in the English language, you know, when you learn like you understood and when you're learning, you know, K-12, you know, that, that there's that, order in front of something that you're saying. And I think city government is the you understood of government because uh, it, it just, we wait for something to go wrong. Nothing is convenient until it, you know, everything is convenient until something goes wrong. But if something is wrong fundamentally in Auburn, like, can you imagine what would happen if one of those traffic intersections was messed up or the light was blinking or the train was, you know, that's one of the greatest things in the world. And I mean, it has nothing to do with the city, but imagine, you know, uh, trying to sit at an intersection and, you know, it, it, just those little things. Um, I don't, I think about how businesses survive. You know, I, I, I think about the difficulties and the contrast in Auburn alone about how business works. You know, um, back in the dawn of time, right after Auburn was founded, 
um, they started building restaurants out there over out on college towards mm-hmm. the interstate. And, um, you know, after that, you know, we start establishing the businesses down here at Thumer's Corner. Well, um, I don't know what the pattern is, but for a period of time there, uh, it was flavor of the week with the restaurants out there. We'd have a sushi place. We'd have a Mexican place. We'd have an Italian place. We'd have whatever. And those places would be dropping like flies. And, you know, uh, businesses on the outlying area of downtown Auburn are having a little bit tougher time because they're not looking at it in terms of where people want their services catered to. They're, t- they're catering to the interstate audience. It's a different kind of thing versus a college environment. Well, what do we think of when we think of Auburn? We don't think of it as being a touristy town. We think of it as being a stop on a way to an SEC football game, or we think of it as where our land space, you know, air institution is. Um, and I think the way you couch the service is also the level of appreciation you have for the service because, you know, downtown businesses have had to deal with the parking situation. They have to deal with, you know, um, anything from curb cuts to lighting to how, you know, people getting upset that the, the Hall of Fame diamond has been lifted up magnificently in front of their business and somehow it's the business's fault. You know, um, I, I was literally um, walking around the other day and I heard somebody complain about, I don't know why business XYZ, I won't name them. Um, doesn't have that back out in front of their, and it's not their fault. You know, um, those little inconveniences, I think, are what we notice more. But what we don't notice is that you understood. That's probably a lot more elaborate question <laughs> and answer than you really want. That's what I was afraid of when I came in here, too. It's like, eh, is he going to shut up? It's like being in one of my classes. No, so, no. So what should the average citizen know about their local government? Uh, well, first of all, they need to know how it operates differently than state and federal entities. Um, they need to understand that, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> meetings are regular, that times are regular, that, you know, and, and part of this is on cities as well, being clear and being transparent and using social media and making the public patently aware of what's going on on a regular basis. I mean, it's not like you could hold up a billboard in downtown Auburn on top of the, the you know, the new tallest building in, in, in the city and say, you know, city council meeting tonight at 3 p.m. You know, I, I think you've got to get people to engage and pay attention in that, but one of the biggest things that should happen and could happen that would actually change how city government operates here, and I believe this at a fundamental level, and I have since I started Auburn, again, back when it was, you know, Alabama, or what was it, Auburn Polytechnic Institute? Alabama Polytechnic Institute Poly- or the yeah, okay. East Alabama Men's, men's College? Yeah. Yeah. Men's wow. College, something like that. <laughs> you know, um, and so even back then, um, there is no student representation in city government here. Um, you know, um, I have students in a city government course that I'm teaching right now that I'm, (laughs) they're, they're upset, I'm sure, because I'm making them go to city council meetings as part of the course. And, uh, other than that, I don't know if you have a legitimate student presence at city council meetings at any point, you know, um, could a, could a student run for city council potentially, you know, um, could, could there be a broader interest of students, you know, and, and that's why I go back and talk about city engagement or civic engagement is, you know, if you are not understanding where there are gaps in the ability for the public to interface, then you're not going to do anything at all. I mean, you know, I know the Plainsman covers uh, city government. You do a very good job at doing that, both of you. And, um, you know, uh, but where is the student activism? Where is the student interest in the very community? Because look, um, students bless their hearts, and I do it too because I'm just as cynical sometimes. And I'm not saying students are cynical, but make this sound better when I come out now. Um, <laughs> uh, students get frustrated about things, but they don't know how to engage it. And the city can also reach out too. 
and liaise with the public a little bit more. I think it would be in the interest of the city to start liaising on a, on a consistent basis with Auburn student government in a little bit more robust way. And with the students in general, you know, maybe you take a public comment period designed for college students or deal with, you know, particular issues germane to the Auburn University environment that have more of an impact on students. But if you don't find a way to cater your government a little bit to the needs of the people, then the people aren't going to get involved. And if the government isn't willing to kind of understand their constituency, uh, then the people aren't going to participate. So it's this vicious circle. Yeah. I got a question about what you just said. You said there's kind of a lack of political activism. Were you talking about uh, activism in local government from students, or are you talking about in general? I think in general. Um, I mean, are, are you talking like overall nationally, the whole big picture of civic engagement in this universe? Uh, more specifically in Auburn. Um, I know that I have had students that are very passionate about it and are very engaged about it. But I also know I've had students that are incredibly passionate and could do wonderful things in terms of engaging, you know, themselves into Auburn's community a little bit more that have great ideas that are incredibly intelligent and gifted, but they don't because it's, it's, it's something we call, you know, rational ignorance, you know, um, sometimes, and it's cynical to say this, but it's too much work. You know, um, students have other things to worry about. You know, we were talking about this, all the responsibilities of students, you know, before we came on, that, you know, um, they have their homework, they have their fraternity sorority duties, they have all those things. And I'm respectful of that. And I see it all the time. But, you know, um, I think there's room for it. I think there's room for, you know, Auburn students to get more directly involved with city council. I mean, you know, I know there's an interface there and I can't, you know, I can't quote the level of robustness of it, but I mean, there's never enough. Hmm. You know, um, I think that by creating more accountability between students, the university, and the city, that you can probably find some more workable solutions for things. That was a good point. So some of your work um, has been in succession in state government? Uh, yeah, um, succession, continuity of government. Um, I, I like to, I'm fascinated with that. And maybe that's just the cynical side of me. My students know this too. You know, um, what happens if, you know, and I look at that in terms of what happens if there's a disaster that destroys part of a government, you know, uh, there's, there's the show designated survivor, which is not reality in any way, shape or form. But, you know, think about that. But good TV. Well, yeah. <laughs> what happens? And this is the area I research in, you know, what happens when a governor or a president leaves office for some reason? How does succession work? And that's what we call it, you know, um, continuity government succession, whatever words work for you. You know, when someone else comes in, what are the politics around it, if there are any? And what are the potential hangups of it, if there are any? And I look at it both the state and the federal level, and it's interesting to look at. And I mean, you know, um, mostly because people don't think about it. And it's, it's actually a metaphor, if you want uh, uh, succession. I remember asking this question. I got repeatedly asked this question uh, during my dissertation defense. It was, why does anybody care about this? And my response was, well, it's not important until it is. You know, um, when you've got a problem like a state of New Jersey, who at one point had 10 governors in nine years and four or five over the course of about a month and a half, um, that's potentially problematic. Um, and, you know, we ignore those things sometimes. And that's kind of the stuff I got into is that fascination, that dynamic. Yeah. So how does this work with Alabama? Um, Alabama has uh, distinct elections for governor and lieutenant governor. Alabama has a lieutenant governor. Um, seven states don't. But uh, for us, we uh, nominate, um, you know, we have a nominee. You know, our governor runs by themselves on party ticket. 
and then so does a lieutenant governor. So whoever wins, their primaries and their respective parties will you know, face off against that another. So you have a governor versus a governor in a general election, a lieutenant governor versus a lieutenant governor, Democratic, Republican, respectively. And so a governor and a lieutenant governor aren't paired together in Alabama until after an election, which is problematic because, you know, and electoral politics aside and everything you feel about that, um, is it responsible uh, governance in terms of how the executive branch should work if you have a governor that's a Republican and a lieutenant governor that's a Democrat? And in some cases, as in the federal level, we go to the assembly to find um, a third person in line of succession, which is a speaker of the assembly. And what if that person's a Democrat or Republican? So if we had something, God forbid, something bad happened to the governor, we have a Democrat takeover, that's not who the people voted for, for governor, okay? It may have been what they voted for for lieutenant governor, which in, in Alabama, something like that would be incredibly rare. But, uh, you know, but then if we had a different leadership, I mean, think about the inconsistency you could have. Does the person that comes in to take a governorship of a different party, do they prioritize, you know, how do you govern? How do you govern? Um, and that's a question that's not really been tested except for a couple times. In some places, it's just a hot mess. But um, it, it, we had that situation before with Governor Bentley. You know, um, Governor Bentley leaves, Kay Ivey comes in, and we have a, a vacant lieutenant governor space for a while. You know, those are broader questions that I just find fascinating, if not necessarily critical to the political landscape because again it's not important till it is but i'm weird and so i like to research weird things and that's <laughs> one of them so talking about local government and states what kind of are those relationships like on a general level in terms of how do uh state governments and local governments interact what is that interaction like well i mean you've got uh, Two different ways of looking at it. You've got uh, two philosophies. You've got something that's called home rule, and you've got something that's called Dylan's rule. Um, both of those things are different kind of ways, you know, and it's not necessarily a political tack. It's just the way uh, governments operate. Uh, a home rule city is going to be one where a state government allows that city a lot more political and economic and governing, uh, uh, you know, lenience and uh, latitude to uh, conduct their own affairs. And then if you're in a Dillon's rule situation, then uh, state government has a little bit more uh, unilateral control and kind of limits city government in terms of what it's going to do. You know, um, a, a Dillon's a home rule community, the reason you do that, the reason you have home rule is because um, think about the administrative duties of cities, what we just talked about before. State government isn't going to have to be able to think about the deeper existential issues of sewer systems and telephone lines and whatever during the course of a day or during the course of whatever, you know, um, being able to delegate those kinds of things to local entities gives states more room to actually work on public policy for the state's benefit as a whole. Because, you know, it, it, what do I understand about uh, a community that I've never lived in, all those kinds of things? And yes, you have constituents and all of that, and that's fine, uh, you know, uh, elected officials from particular districts. But if you allow states to kind of say, okay, run with what you've got here, here's what we're going to allocate to you, make sure you're doing, you know, that at least creates, you know, it could create a little bit less adversarial environment because then you're not fighting for, for resources as much as a little bit more consistency to it. And I'm not saying that city and local government uh, doesn't have its fights, but, you know, if cities try to take, or states try to take too much administrative control over cities, then you run into a problem of what's the state's priority. Is it micromanaging a city or a, or a community 
or is it actually running the day-to-day thing in the administrative state? And so now you mentioned Dylan's rule as well. What are those kind of states like? Because that's what Alabama is, right? Yeah, I mean, um, and 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 you have to. Uh, it's one of those things. Um, you have to correct me if I'm wrong, because um, I'm wrong all the time. Uh, places like Lee County, places like Auburn, Opelika, some of these little small little rural towns all over Alabama. To name them all would take us the rest of the show or whatever. <laughs> you know, the podcast. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm very 1910 right now. Um, you know, you have to have in a lot of circumstances and most especially, and this is the one I hammer on the most, you know, we have the longest governing document in the world. Okay. Not just in the state, not just in the country, in the world, our governing document is larger than India's. Our governing document is larger than the United Nations charter. Think about that. The United Nations charter. Okay. Just pause and let that sink in for a minute. But um, part of the reason that is, is because a lot of economic development and infrastructural items related to smaller communities in this state um, have to go through the Alabama legislature writ large. And part of the reason that happened is it's a a post-reconstruction philosophy to center power in Montgomery and to, uh, you know, create uh, opportunities. And I hate to say that word, that's really not the word I should use but to marginalize, um, you know, uh, typical African-American populations from rural areas in southern states. It's not just uh, Alabama. Um, it's, you know, artifact. And I certainly hope that we're, you know, I want to think we're passing those kind of things. But the Alabama Constitution largely has to do with the execution of administrative control over a lot of communities in this state. And it's unfortunate because, you know, Economic development works in different areas, different ways, especially in Alabama. And uh, if you're going to marginalize a community simply because, you know, you're not going to get an amendment to, to, to the Constitution to get something done, you know, uh, it, it causes a power vacuum. And it causes us to kind of, I don't know, neglect some of the other things that actually need to be done in terms of providing quality of life for, you know, uh, smaller cities and different, you know, racial ethnic communities in the state. Well, I think that about covers everything. But do you have any kind of just last words, words of advice kind of for the community in terms of how to get involved and learn more about their local government? Um, I think the first thing you need to do is, you know, if, if you're not feeling particularly ambitious, one night when you're, uh, when you're not, uh, you know, Turn off the Netflix, um, you know, and I, grabbing a newspaper, those one of those things. And I mean, I, this is not a knock on the newspaper industry at all. But I mean, the reality is, is that's not as in vogue anymore. Go to the city of Auburn's website, play around, look around, do some news searches on things that are of interest to you in the community. I mean, if you're upset about a pothole or you don't understand why there's a city code relative to building height or you don't understand, you know, where zoning ordinance is changing, you know, the impact of something on a, on a particular part of town or why the hell is that building going up over there? My God, that's ridiculous. What a, you know, those kinds of things that you just think about in your mind, you know, why is my water purple? You know, uh, you know, whatever little issue, no matter if it's something huge or something relatively insignificant, you know, I've got a, I've got a friend that's, uh, you know, concerned about ADA access to uh, parks and recreation infrastructure and she's very passionate about it. And uh, those are the kind of things that people want to get involved about, but you have to go to the website. Now, 
um, city of Auburn's doing a, 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 not a recruitment thing. I don't know if I would call it recruitment, but they're looking for people to join boards and commissions. That's another thing you can do. And there are limited qualifications. If you have an interest in something sometimes, you know, you can be vetted and get on a board and commission in the city of Auburn, you know, on anything from Parks and Rec to uh, the library. I mean, and that's something that's really cool. You know, it's something that I've thought about doing, you know, and I can't even alphabetize or spell or, you know, any of those kinds of things. I just teach college. But, uh, you know, those kinds of little things and then understanding how the community fits around you, you know, your neighborhood, your neighbors, you know, the neighborhood watch thing back with uh, in the 1980s when that kind of started to be a thing, you know, engaging your neighbors and getting away from that bubble that we have with our phones and our computers and our televisions and all of that. That's great. And it's a good resource. But sometimes just physically going out and talking to who you live with and talking about their concerns is almost as powerful as just going to a city council meeting, standing up during a public comment period and talking about your righteous indignation. Awesome. That's a good point. Uh, I think that's it for today. Thank you yeah. so much for being on our show. Yeah. Um, hopefully I did all right. Um, if I didn't, you know, come back and get somebody more qualified next time. <laughs> Thanks so much, Dr. Gully. Thank you. It was a privilege. Appreciate it. that about does it for today. We hope that all of our listeners learned a little bit more about local government and state government and how they can get involved. Yeah, I think Dr. Gully had some really, really good things to say, and uh, he obviously knows a lot about local and state government. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to next week's episode where we plan to have another special guest from our community. We'd like to thank Weagle and Grayson Moyer for allowing us to borrow their studio. You can find our podcast and other Plainsman podcasts on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. I'm Elizabeth Hurley. And I'm Evan Mielens. Thanks for listening. and Be sure to subscribe to the Auburn Plainsman's network of podcasts. Join us next week for the next episode of Public Hearing. <laughs>